Have you made an honest review? Jump onto fifthwrist.com and read real takes by real owners about their watches. And of course, get involved and write about what's on your wrist. Fifthwrist.com is your independent space to talk watches. Welcome everybody to the Defining Time show on Fifth Wrist Radio. Now Fifth Wrist is all about brutally honest watch reviews for the community and it's been set up by enthusiasts and for enthusiasts. So please like and subscribe to the podcast because it all helps. Um, leave a review if you want. If you're listening to the podcast and you're enjoying what you're hearing or you, you, you've got some feedback for us, let us know. Basically, we have built this for the community. So we want people involved. We've got Slack group going um, with multiple... Uh, you know, topics and, and things like that. So if you want to get involved, uh, email us, email me, anthony at fifthwrist.com um, and we'll get you involved as much as we can. Um, so my name's Anthony and today I'm joined by my co-host Vinny. How you doing, mate? Very well, mate. How are you? Fantastic. Sun is shining. It's a beautiful day here in Adelaide. Sounds like it's been all right in Melbourne too. For once, can confirm a sunny day. Uh, spring is here. Uh, so I've got the mask on not to combat COVID, but also to combat hay fever. Um, but yeah, just enjoying <laughs> being outside for my hour to every day. Yeah, I know. Well, the, the beautiful white flowers have formed on the tree at the front of my house, but they've also formed what looks like snow on the front. The whole front is just covered in these bloody leaves that I know I'm going to have to pick up now. But anyway, <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Um, so we've got a, a fun show today um, and, and a special guest joining us who's a, a fellow Melbourne and Australian community member, also Fifth Wrist reviewer, um, Harin from What You Want underscore, because we have to put that there. How you doing, Harin? Very good, Anthony. Really appreciate you making note of the underscore there. Absolutely yes. important. But uh, good, good to be here. And um, also, thank you again for having me, having me join you guys. Uh, very excited. Uh, it's our pleasure. So we'll get into some drink checks and wrist checks shortly. But Vinny, what are we going to talk about today? Yeah, so today I um, really want to get stuck into, I guess, talking about millennials and younger people in the hobby because Harina and I, um, there aren't a lot of younger guys. And when I say younger, I mean around around the 20s um, that are in, in the hobby as deep as we are. And so it's always interesting to get a take on why we decided to, you know, deep dive into watches and yeah, why it appeals to us. Mm, so cool. yeah, really excited for today's one. Sounds good. So we'll get to know her in a little bit more as well. And what we'll also do is just have a bit of a uh, pulse check on uh, the humongous news that broke the internet um, and filled up our feeds on the 1st of September being the Rolex releases. So we're a couple of days on now. Um, I know Vinny and I um, and Roman recorded a, a podcast on the day just to sort of capture our thoughts really quickly. But now that a couple of days have gone by, we just have a bit of a check in, see what Harin thinks as well. Um, you know, being from the community and just getting getting his feel for things. So let's uh, start with some drink checks and wrist checks. Maybe we'll go with our special guest first. So Harin, what are you drinking and what is on your wrist? All right. Um, so I'm drinking, so I'm a, I'm a Scotch guy. So I'm drinking a Balvenie Double Wood, 12 years. And uh, on the wrist is the Doxa Sub 200, the Caribbean. Beautiful. Beautiful. Nice. Very good. Cheers. Uh, yeah, and I think um, it was interesting when we did when Vinny and I um, did the and uh, Petit Seconds did the the challenge 
um, for ETAs, we talked about the doxes and I was doing some research and found out that I didn't even know that they named the colors of the dials. Um, and it's interesting that Doxer named the color of their own dials and the Rolex people, the community seems to name the the uh, the colors. It's going to be interesting to see what everything's called in six months' time. Uh, righto, Vinny, what are you wearing, mate? And what, well, what are you wearing? I've got to stop saying that. What's on your wrist and what are you <laughs> drinking? <laughs> well, uh, luckily for you, I am wearing clothes. I've got the Orient Kamasu on the wrist in teal. Um, hasn't hasn't left the cool. wrist since I got it. I'm really enjoying it. Um, yeah, can't complain at all. It's lovely. Sorry, I'll cut you off there. I don't know much about this, and and you you were talking that it was you know it's it's, it's quite hard to come by, and you know it, it was a bit of a hunt, and someone helped you find one. So what what's what is it about this piece that that's so interesting? Um. So the, like the Kamasu has been the, like one of the mainstays of the, the mechanical watch value proposition for ages as a diver, but this particular teal version, I think it's just for us Aussies. We just don't have the dealer networks to get it easily. Um, anywhere that we can shop says that it doesn't deliver to Australia, um, like through Long Island watch, um, uh, through Orient directly, they don't want to deal with us. Um, I don't know, you can either go via Japan, um, but they always seem to be out of stock because they're so popular in this particular colorway. Um, so then I, yeah, ended up getting linked uh, a store that was based in Italy, which was happy enough to, to send it over. So I don't think it's too hard to get, but just a bit of a pain. Um, I, I did give up for a while because I thought, oh, you know, if it's out of stock and I can't get it easily, um, I'll just leave it be. But yeah. Mm, awesome. Cool. Really helped out. Cool, cool. And, and then, drinking? Drinking a Guinness. Um, it's the last one. I, I was afraid I wasn't going to have it, have anything left for today's podcast, but thankfully it appeared at the back of the fridge. Um, yeah, enjoying it very much. And I wanted to say, if you don't know Harin, he's a classy bastard. And uh, of course, he's drinking some fancy pants scotch. Um, probably in a robe as well. Is that is that correct? Uh, yes. Uh, I couldn't, the infamous I, robe. I couldn't let the community down. Had to had to rock the robe on. So <laughs> definitely have the robe on. Sipping scotch. I'm just missing my cigar. So probably have to talk to Peter from Morris about that. Yes. He, he knows his cigars and knives. He's and a, knives. Yes. With a name like Cut Fingers. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Actually, Actually, I reached out to him the other day um, to get some recommendations of knife makers in Australia. Um, I'm looking to to get something done, and he gave me some awesome uh, awesome recommendations of great craftsmen. So we'll see something maybe in the works, which will be good. Um, cool. And I am drinking a Peroni Nastro Azzurro, and I think um, I'm starting to give away how long it takes me to drink a carton of beer. <laughs> <laughs> I should probably start getting those um, six mix packs so people think I'm all right, another week and it's another different beer, another carton gone. But no, I, uh, I'm i a slow drinker and I typically only drink when I come on the podcast. So anyway, that's that. And on my wrist is my Oxen Junior Meze or Date. Um, yeah, hadn't worn it all week because I'd be wearing the Batman and I just thought, oh, it's time to, it was a bit of a Rolex week, wasn't it? If, if you got a Rolex, if you got a Rolex, you might as well put it on and, and be proud. Enjoy it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had some. We had a few Rolex um, turn or haters turn fanboys during the week, didn't we? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I don't know what Roman. What's going on with Roman? <laughs> um, I've reached out to him and said, "Are you okay?" Um, <laughs> just making sure that's him. And yeah. 
yeah, my world's been turned upside down. <laughs> <laughs> Lots happened. All right. So um, now we'll, we'll get into a bit of a chat, but why don't we just start with um, Harin, just tell us a little bit about yourself and sort of how you ended up getting into watches. Right, of course. Um, well, in terms of, I guess, how I got into watches, usually everybody puts pulls the dad card and, you know, I notice a watch on my dad's wrist, but I think it was a bit off that. So he's got one watch and he's he's owned it for pretty much, I guess, since I was born. It's a, it's a funky Seiko Cortura uh, that he's always worn and I've always been intrigued by that watch and just, um, yeah, in terms of, I guess... Knowing him as a person, I've always associated him with that, and th- I guess that association started or started me off in the sense of there's probably more to a watch than a sum of its parts. And I mean, it was it wasn't really anything that flipped in my mind. I guess while I was young, but I think everything changed when I first saw the Omega Speedmaster. Um, so I used to live in Abu Dhabi for quite a while, and um, I think it was the 40th anniversary of um, the moon landing, and so obviously the Omega store and all that was adorned in, you know, their typical memorabilia and so on. And uh, that's the first time that I, I guess I tried on a proper, well, I guess not to, not to diss any other watch brands, but I guess, so to say a luxury watch brand. And uh, I think that's what changed everything for me. And uh, ever since then, I think I kind of determined uh, that I was a watch guy at the age of 13 and uh, it kind of stuck with me ever since then. And uh, been growing my collection, I guess, um, seriously for the past four or five years now. So, um, yeah, that's a bit of a spiel about me, I guess. Nice. And don't don't feel bad about pulling the, you know, my saw or a watch on my dad's wrist card. Like, that is the common denominator for so many watch enthusiasts. Um, you just can't beat the sentimental or emotional value from just seeing seeing your old man rocking the same watch every day as a tool, as a tool back in the day uh, rather than, you know, an accessory. So, yeah, that's cool. It's interesting what you just said then as a as a tool and I was reading an article during the week or I can't remember where it was but you know people were talking about collections and how the you know Rolexes in particular how they you know you buy one buy another one buy another one buy another one you end up with this collection of Rolexes when mm-hmm. typically what they were for was you buy one and it carries you through for the next 20 or 30 years and becomes this such a part of you where there's nowadays people having so many watches you know are they are they missing out on some of those connections that they build because you know it's you know I, i've just got you know so many watches now that i can't wear them all at the same time and i can't you know it, it's just it is an interesting conversation i do look i remember talking to a guy in um when i was in germany at the nurburgring he, he owned one of the cafes and i think i put something on my instagram where he basically has worn the same watch it was a uh, a 16 750 gmt is that the pepsi i think it's it was it definitely was a pepsi but i can't remember the reference Mm -hmm. um yeah and um you know he he spends eight months of the year at the nurburgring where he runs his hotel and the other four months of the year sailing his um his yacht in the caribbean somewhere or up through the adriatic (laughs) Uh, and that watch just goes. Yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> I know. I know. And that watch just goes everywhere with him. And I am. I, I do think about that sometimes, and go, you know, that the whole one watch thing, like it was a thing, and now it's kind of not. I'm sure it is for some, but it's not what we see on, um, you know, on social media and stuff. And I'm sure we'll talk a bit about that later. But yeah. Food yeah, for you thought. Make a really, 
yeah, you make a really good point. I think I read the same, at least a snippet of that of that piece where, um, you like Rolexes especially, you people are accumulating them, um, and they all sit together in the safe. It's not like seeing the one beat up watch that just keeps on ticking and put, gets put through hell, and then you know it's come out the other side just as good as it, you know, just as good as day one. Um, similar point where I saw. A guy at a petrol station is filling up like a Subaru Liberty from the 90s and he's got this 16, 1675 Pepsi GMT on his wrist. And I said, is that, is that what I think it is? Is that a Rolex GMT from, you know, way back then? He's like, yeah, mate, it's the only watch I've bought. I haven't got one since. Still works. Uh, it's a bit beat up, but I love it. And like, I just thought, you just don't, you just don't see that anymore. Like, pretty cool. Pretty cool. And I think just Rolexes in general, they've just become more of a store of value than a tool, I think, now. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I think like the it's been flipped. Like it from the tool, it's gone to a luxury item, and which is fine. It's just just changed. Just changed. So But we know that they can they can, sorry mate, they go they go through so much and they're they're so well built. And I think there was a lot of talk, I think it was last year when Rolex released a solid gold sub. And it was the first one that they'd ever done in sort of a yellow gold. I know they had the the Smurf, but that still had this sort of stainless steel look about it, so to speak. Whereas once they've done the gold one, it's just pure luxury and looks now. Yeah, yeah. I felt I felt that when the Sea Dweller went two tone. Oh God, that that hurt. <laughs> that really hurt. Like the Sea Dweller supposed to be the tough guts, you know, Sea Lab one, two, and three tool watch like. And then they just went and made it two tone. I get it. Yes, the, the yeah, exactly. And then I get it. Like the deep sea special was two tone. Um, the experimental initial deep dive watches were two tone. Uh, I don't know. It, that's just me. No, I agree. It, as you said, it's just become more of a luxury item, more of a token than a tool, really. Yeah, absolutely. Well, why don't we get into speaking how you like. The journey into watches, but why is it that watches interest you? Um, being in yeah, in the younger demographic, like products go through shorter and shorter life start, uh, life cycles these days. Um, things don't hang around too long. iPhones last a year or two. Um, everything seems to be more disposable. I want it now, and then the next thing comes along. Oh, I want that now, and it's like things don't really hang around. So. Exactly. And I think that's exactly the reason why I got into watches because everything is so disposable and everything is all about consumerism. And watches were that one constant that I always saw. And just going back to, I guess, you know, the thing that I said about my dad about having his one watch and that's all I ever saw on his wrist. And that just gave me that sense of permanence. You know, something can just be with you and, you know, you can mark moments of your life with a certain object that, you know, in this day and age, there, there aren't really that many objects that you could you know, uh, mark milestones with. And that, that was essentially, uh, I guess, the biggest driver of me jumping into watches. Yeah, really, that's really lovely. Like, to associate, I know a few watches in my collection, um, I associate with moments like being on top of uh, the Franz Joseph Glacier in New Zealand. I always think of my Explorer. Um, going to America with my dad, that's always the Tudor Pelagos. Uh, if, if you have sort of so many watches in your safe that you can't associate special moments to, um, that's why I get worried. Yeah, exactly. I get worried. Mm, maybe it's time to trim down because it's all nice, like looking at them all. Um, but you, it's the emotional value, I think, that 
that sets it off. Anthony, do you have any watches that like stand out for you particularly with emotional value or you can pinpoint with specific moments in your life? Yeah, definitely. I think my, my BLNR, um, you know, and even though I went through a journey with that myself, thinking about selling it, should I, shouldn't I? There was another watch that I really wanted and I knew I could sell that and bank some cash and be happy. But I'm, I'm really glad that, that Vinny uh, and a few of the other guys really talked me out of it. Um, I prefer and- the term bullied. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but I think, you know, that, that watch for me now is, is, you know, and it always has been really special. It's just, I, I think the the problem with poten- well, potentially the problem with society today is we get bored so easily hmm. um, and things happen at such a faster pace. Um, you know, it's, it, it's rare. Like we are, I'm hearing more about people putting watches on, um, you know, credit cards or on mm. lay-by, so to speak, and things like that. So we've, in some parts have lost that. I need to save for a watch um, and, and build a collection. I was talking to Detroit watch guy, um, Pedro, uh, and he has a spreadsheet and he sets out how long it's going to take. And, and I love that kind of stuff. But I think I, the only thing that I probably will say is what what other things can we liken it to that we tend to keep for longer periods of time that we consume in this day and age? I, I really couldn't say. I, I think that's part of the fascination for me as well. It Like the line that I think of is, it's so funny, these objects measure time, but they transcend it too. Like the watches, they just, they just do the same function they do the day you bought it in the next lifetime. Like what, what else in the world or what other product can do it because i know a car yes it can run and you see see the classics out there but obviously it's they function not as well as new cars today uh, a watch from you know 100 years ago still does the same job just as good as the apple watch <laughs> maybe off by a few seconds yes i'll, I'll give that but yeah I, I just really can't think of anything else what about you guys the the only then there's a couple of other points here if you look at um women's fashion for example and you look at um the 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 thing that's happening on instagram that's been happening for a long time with the kylie jenners and these people the fitness models and stuff like that that um you know i was watching something on tv last night where they were saying that i think it was kate kate blanchett or kate winslet one of the two wore the same dress that she wore five years ago to a red carpet event and everyone was, you know, this is yeah, it's such a huge <laughs> no-no. Yet she, she, I can't remember which one it was, but it, whichever one, they're really into sustainability and sustainable fashion and things like that. And recycling stuff is so important. Um, but you know, it's just interesting when you look at, um, and I'll get to my point in a minute. The the women that are getting, you know, body having body image problems and things like that due to what they see on Instagram, and then are we experiencing the same thing with watches where you see some of these either big profiles or someone that's obviously very wealthy or, you know, whatever that they just, they've got a new watch all the time. I know there's a couple on Australian watch forum that just pop up all the time with, you know, 50 grand new watch, 70 grand new watch, hundred grand new watch and, or two or three in the same week. And it's just like, wow, how do you do that? But do other people get not jealous, but envious of that? And they want to try and recreate that feeling that you get um, 
which you know we know that social media creates it shouldn't but it creates endorphins and likes are important and comments are important and all that kind of stuff you know what kind of world if this sort of stuff was around 50 years ago like they would have laughed so much like what what have we done but i don't know any other comments no, very true. Uh, I think that's the same thing that I feel about social media. It's it's just a sense that, um, especially with the younger crowd, I was hoping maybe we'll chat on this further when we jump into the whole topic of millennials and watches. But now that you brought it up, I think it, it's this whole sense of trying to keep up, I think, in terms of be it in terms of building your profile and at the same time building your watch collection as well. And, and, and I've fallen, you know, um, victim to this as well. I think when I was first starting off, uh, not just on Instagram, but just, you know, collecting watches or even just being interested in watches. It was essentially what you said, you know, you see uh, certain profiles come up with, you know, two or three new, uh, you know, 50 or 70 grand high value watches. And then you think, how is that possible? And and you can't help yourself. But yeah, I, I mean, envious is a dirty word, I, I think. But um, uh, it, it really, it really does bother you. And I think that's a problem. And then once you're self-aware of it, you can obviously, I guess, you know, check yourself so to say um but uh, i think that's also another big problem it's a blessing and a curse i think social media for the watch industry i think it's at the same time reignited passion in in, within the watch industry and i guess in a sense saved the watch industry as well i think Uh, but at the same time it's it's caused a bit of you know unsavory reactions as well i think what you said there was really interesting about the self-awareness piece um and i know i mean i've been victim of it as well you early on i was looking for likes and all this stuff and then instagram changes its um its algorithm so frequently now that you know i, I couldn't even care less now i'll get 40 people look at a story one day and 250 another day and it's like well i didn't do anything different um and i don't really care anymore either uh, because it just doesn't bother me but it it did at one stage and it was frustrating and i remember even talking to you Vinny, and you talked about certain things and different hashtags and things like that that you can do and and then once i didn't care and and it's true you do get that self-awareness piece that comes in a bit later and you just sort of go well i stopped caring and i'm seeing more and more people take breaks which i think is really healthy and really good like people just disappear for a week come back and probably refreshed a different outlook it's not so important anymore. Now I just do it for fun and to, to chat with my friends and, and see what my friends are, are up to and doing and, and, you know, more positivity instead of just envy, I suppose. Absolutely. Totally agree. I think it's it's just a vicious circle. You, you can look at your numbers, get obsessed with the numbers and yeah, you, you feel good when you get a lot of likes and then you don't feel so good the next day when you don't. Uh, but once you you are self-aware and you realize, you know, how, how worked up can you be about something that's totally out of your hands. Um, all you can control is what you share, and then the numbers, the algorithms, is totally out of your control. So why why worry yourself about it? And these things shouldn't be about numbers, stats. Um, if it's not fun, you're not doing it right. And yeah, going back to Instagram and the people that pop up with 100k, 70k new watch alerts on the regular. Um, I, I forget, I think it was a guest of ours. I forget who it was, but they said, Instagram's a lie anyway. You just <laughs> you just share the best parts of your life. And it's exactly. just, a, it's a tiny little snapshot. Um, yeah, I, you just, you don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. 
you don't know who the person is really, what they're about, who if the watch even belongs to them. Um, so just don't. It's it's very easy to get sucked into the mentality like, oh my god, this guy's got a Rashad Mill. I've only got a Patek. Oh my god. <laughs> only. That, yeah, it's like there's no matter where you are, there is always someone that's. I guess, what you perceive as being at a high level. So why would you concern yourself with that? And it, on the other hand, like when you walk into a red bar get-together or any other get-together with watches, it's like I remember my first two, three visits, I was so intimidated. Mm. Uh, I'm walking in there with my Seiko or my Tudor Pelagos and there's guys there with Pateks, you know, Platinum Daytonas and you, you almost don't even want to make eye contact because you're like, oh my God, you know, it's it's scary. You don't... You don't you don't think you can socialize or be part of the same circle. Um, but then when you, you speak to them and then you go, okay, this is about watches again. It's not about social status. It's not about, you know, flexing your muscles. But Absolutely. Yeah, sorry, Haran, go ahead. No, sorry. No, no. Um, that's exactly what I want to touch base on, I guess, my first event, so to say. I think before, I think it was thanks to Anthony, as in Anthony Doe, <laughs> um, uh, who invited me to the, I think it was an Omega event. And up until that point, yeah, again, uh, through Instagram, you know, you see, because I, I think I was following Vinny, Anthony, and, uh, you know, the the household names in, I guess, our little community for quite a while before, I guess, I got involved with you guys. And then you see all these events. And uh, similar to what Vinny said, um, I guess at first, uh, being a younger guy, you initially get intimidated by, I guess, all the Daytonas and so on. And essentially exactly what you said, Vinny, um, uh, you think, can I really socialize with these guys? And then what, what I've come to realize is that the, the watch scene or uh, I guess watch enthusiasts are probably the friendliest bunch of people that you could probably meet regardless of what they're wearing on their wrists. And that's that was, I guess, the most welcoming thing, I guess, that I love about this community. And as you said, Instagram is a lie because Instagram gave me the impression that, you know, these are probably pretentious people with loads of cash and sipping on champagne. And they probably wear caviar. robes and drink fancy whiskey. Yeah, I know the types. I know the types. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I feel attacked now. <laughs> but, I mean, you get what I'm saying. And then you actually meet them in person. And that's com- the complete opposite of what you thought they were. The, the most friendliest guy. I mean, okay, a quick example. Dimmy, he's probably the guy with the most new watch alerts that I see probably on my feed. And he's a teddy bear of a man. He's the best. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> shout out to Chunky Wrist. Shout out to Chunky, yeah. Chunky Wrist, absolutely. And uh, yeah, that's just a quick snapshot, I, I guess, of the real personalities behind, you know, some of these intense collectors, I guess. So what percentage, and I know, again, me and my, I don't have any data to back anything up that I say, which everyone knows now, but that's fine. Go with me. So... You know, we see we we, we talk about um, brands caring about the community when really they're just the community is such a small part of their sales numbers. What you know, with millennials in watches, how are there lots? Are there not many? Is it you know what is it? How, how would you guys look at that? Do you feel alone? I suppose is my point. Like, do you have other? like lots of other millennials that you can have these conversations with, or are you finding that you're going to have to go to different circles and meet different people that potentially are, are a bit older? And thank you guys for saying that I was like you guys in, in my 20s. That was a good couple of years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. Um, I think to first answer your, I think the first question as to whether there are people 
or I guess millennials in watches. I think there are more millennials now interested in watches than there were, I guess, say five years ago. And I think social media is thank for that. But then the other side of it is whether we can have these kind of conversations with them. I'd still say at least in the circles, I guess in my circles, not yet. Because I guess they're interested in watches not exactly for the same reasons that we are. And it's mainly the whole, again, another dirty word, I guess, the whole flexing culture. And that's probably what's got more millennials these days interested in watches because of the lifestyles that, you know, they associate with watches. Um, But I think more and more millennials are definitely getting interested in watches. And even though they may start off on the wrong foot, because of the fact that there's so much information available now, that eventually it acts as a gateway to, you know, this world, Mm. in a sense. How much do you think the Apple Watch has impacted the millennials from, you know, like I, I look at Daniel Wellington, for example, um, where one of our co-hosts works. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, use the term master watchmaker at Daniel Wellington. <laughs> I know you'll love that. Uh, master watchmaker at Daniel Wellington. Shout out to the watch regulator. Um, but I think, you know, so many, I see them all the time on on millennials wrists and and the brands the horse and um other sort of fashionista really cheap chinese you know those things cost around three dollars ish to make sometimes maybe 10 if they've had some sort of gold coating put on them um but you know and, and i look at daniel wellington which i don't know his stats now but in in the fourth year uh, that company had had made a hundred or had one hundred and eighty million dollars in sales in four years based off social media marketing. So, you know, when you think about the the Apple Watch and then the these real sort of really low end fashion watches, um, you know, they they're sort of they've had an impact because someone buys a Daniel Wellington and then somewhere in their life pops out a, a guy that has a an Omega or something or a, a even a, a Seiko. All of a sudden, they're like, oh, that's cool. And, you know, six of my friends have this Daniel Wellington, yet you only have that Seiko. Maybe I don't want to be like everyone else anymore. And off they go down this rabbit hole that we've all gone down. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, if, if I could jump in. Um, the Apple Watch has got so many young people wearing a watch, putting a watch on their wrist, which hasn't been the case for a long time. And so... Yes, it's great. It's fantastic. Um, it's not even a watch at that point. It's basically a cellular device on the wrist and it measures so much more than what a watch does. But w- when you're wearing your Apple Watch with a suit, it doesn't quite feel right. Um, I make the comparison with Spy Kids. Yeah, it's just not, doesn't feel quite right. So if you're a young person and you're like, hmm, maybe I could try another watch and have a look out there. Okay, Daniel Wellington might come up, but you might... Google, oh, let's just have a look at other watches. What else can I do? And it might be the Apple Watch. It might be Daniel Wellington. It might be Nixon. We all start somewhere. It, someone will find it interesting enough to go, oh, there's not batteries in this one. How does that work? Yeah. And then you shake it just it. snowballs. And then, yeah, yeah shake it really hard. It'll start, <laughs> it'll start ticking. Um, and then it'll just snowball. Because like, I know my friends, I never thought anyone else in my in my circle would be interested in watches. And then I'm getting links, "Hey man, what's this green Rolex? It's all <laughs> yeah. green. What's this what's this red and blue Rolex about?" Um and it starts off as like, 
how come people can't get one? How come they're worth more in the secondary market than if I went to buy one new? And okay, it might start off as like a financial incentive question or just a general like, I want something that no one else can get. Can you can you help me? Which the answer is, God, no. Like, no. <laughs> but um, if they, it doesn't matter where you start. And okay, let's say you get a fashion watch. If one person, one out of 10, one out of 50, one out of 100 decides, actually, I'm going to explore this watch thing further, I think it's a great thing. I think, yes, most of them stay with the, the fashion watches or the Apple Watch, but yeah, if one of them can slip through the cracks and dive deep as we have, um, it, it's a good thing for, the, for watches in general. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, just to add on to what Vinny said, uh, I think I'd compare... I think I'd use Daniel Wellington or Movement or the likes as more of a gateway than, say, the Apple Watch. I think exactly what Winnie said, the Apple Watch has got more people wearing a watch more than ever before, I think. But I think the reason for people wearing the Apple Watch is mainly thanks to the Apple ecosystem at large and not essentially, well, because people are more interested in wearing a watch now. But I think where Daniel Wellington Movement comes in, it, 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 it I guess, yeah, it's essentially a gateway drug, really. For me, it was it was a fossil. And that's 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 where it really started, and then from fossil it moved up to a Skagen, and then from Skagen to a Seiko, and then yeah, down the rabbit hole I went. So that's that's a much better ladder than I had. I, <laughs> I went Tom Hilfiger, um, to and then I went to Hugo Boss, and I went to a Fossil, I went to Nixon, and then I think I finally went to a to a Seiko. Um, so yeah, I think well, Tag used to be the entry point to luxury watches but i think the, the stepping stones now start much earlier at, at these sort of price points and brands yeah while we're here i might as well just go as well so i started with i don't know if you ever remember jag it was the jeans brand so i had a two-tone blue dial jag watch that had was just ridiculous um i had a skagen but you loved that thing if i remember correctly yeah i did it was cool i thought it was the best thing i had a i had a guess watch um, I had a Skagen, I had a Tommy Hill figure, and I had a brand, and just Google it when you got some time, called Freeze. And I've still got it. It's basically <laughs> it, is it is iced out. It is <laughs> it's it's probably a 70 oh, mil God. piece. But oh, that was because no. I grew up listening to a lot of hip hop and, and you know, rap and, and a lot of <laughs> gangster rap and stuff. I love that music. And all those guys wore these humongous watches dinner plates, dinner plates yeah <laughs> full of diamonds um or crystals whatever um and yeah so but i had one of them i still got it i should take a picture of it and put it up because it's bloody hilarious in a box somewhere but you know we all got to start somewhere um exactly. and then i went to tag and my you know i love my tag it's it's an awesome watch yeah no hating on tag nah right oh well i I mean, it's just a, it's just an interesting conversation. I suppose that I think people, you know, I'm, we're seeing a lot on, um, on the, on the Facebook pages as well. Like you get this, someone's turning 21 or their 18th birthday is coming up and they're already got some beautiful watches. Um, and they're looking at, you know, what's, what's going to be the first sort of big purchase. And I just think at, at those ages, um, to be stretching and, and aspiring to get something like that. Something's happened and it, it has to be mm. Instagram. It just has Absolutely. to be. Marketing's not that good. So mm. not to that demographic anyway. Yeah. Well, if an uh, interesting point that I jotted down was when when YouTube sort of took off in the in like the car community, 
Um, it started off with like reviews and high production sort of films, and then it went to quickly went to vloggers. And these guys, they supposedly buy a supercar every like third and <laughs> fourth week. Um, and so when you're a young person, you see it like Lamborghinis and Ferraris have always been a, a poster like for anyone. Um, but instead of being a poster now, it's it's a video or a lock screen on your yeah. iPhone. Um, but yeah, when you've got like the big accounts on YouTube, just like buying new supercars every other week, it gets released. Oh my God, I have to get it now. Um, guys, picking up, like one video is just sign the papers for a deposit. Next video, mm. picking it up. Third video, I'm wrapping it. Fourth video, exhaust. And then they sold it and then they get something else. Rinse mm. and repeat. And so now people think it's normal to just be buying supercars. It's not like a once in a lifetime thing. It's a, oh yeah, it's once every business quarter. Um, do you think that is happening in the world of watches? Like, do you think the bought it in, new incoming, yay, celebrate, pop the champagne, wear it for a week, review it, on to the next one. Do you think that's happening as well? Uh, and we're getting that sort of same mirror with the online car community? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that uh, it, it's again thanks to social media that people, are, I guess they're getting bored of their watches a lot, a lot more nowadays and, and hence the need to, I guess, you know, flip watches, so to say. Um, but I guess, I, I guess there's two ways to look at it. it. It's whether you buy a watch to sell it or whether you're selling the watch to buy another one. So I think there's there's the distinction that needs to be made. I think a person who really likes watches for, I guess, the right reasons, they sell a watch to buy another one rather than buying a watch to, you know, enjoy it and then flip it and then just get another one. So I, I, think, I think that's where the distinction needs to be made, especially with millennials nowadays. But I think as well, it's not so much at watches on the whole. It's more focused to appreciating watches that you can flip because – if you're buying a watch that's say five grand and you wear it for two months and three, you know, two months later you sell it for two and a half or three thousand, you do that enough times, you're not going to be in a pretty place. So you're only going to do that when the hype's there. Um, but I'm also not adverse to experiencing a lot of watches. My my collection's at the point now where I'm sort of like, I'm in an ring about, oh, do I want another one or would I rather sell something to bring something in because I don't want this. I don't want to end up with 10, 15, 20 watches. I just don't. I don't. I can't wear them all and I want to wear my watches and I, I wear them properly. So, you know, I think to myself, maybe it's time to, to move something on. And I know that people will potentially get a shock when, when, when I sell these things, but I've sold, I had to sell my reverse. I didn't want to sell it, but I, I had to at that time to, to put money into a business and, and I was fine with it. Like, yeah, I miss it. And should I regret it? No, because it, it, it solved another problem for me. But, um, you know, I always say to Anthony Doe, uh, when, you know, he was, you know, getting a lot of watches, um, and, and, experiencing them all and that's what to some people that just love watches mm. you get it you experience it hey maybe you don't like it get something else or you know it's better to have loved and flipped to never love the watch at all so <laughs> my famous words <laughs> so you know there, there's that part too where you know i think i think the community in general is just sick of the the sort of the rolex flip thing but some people just like to and and if you buy smart and you buy pre-owned, 
you could buy a five thousand dollar pre-owned watch and you can sell it two months later for probably five thousand or five thousand three hundred or four thousand seven hundred but really it doesn't matter um if you're doing the new retail thing straight up and it's not a rolex or a, a 57 11 then you're gonna lose and you're gonna learn very quickly like i did i i bought a super ocean heritage um in place of my batman because I, I couldn't find one and i ended up selling that and i lost about 1300 bucks and i was like ouch that hurts so i don't do that again (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i think there's a clear difference between buying a watch leading others to believe like i'm in the know i'm connected and then there's i like this watch i'm gonna experience it okay maybe it wasn't what i imagined and i'm gonna move it on so yeah yeah totally different um, I did want to ask um, Harina a couple more questions before we move to a- another little topic. But um, what is a watch that you've got your eye on that you're thinking about at the moment, thinking about that you want to buy? Oof. Put you on that's, the spot, and I'm sorry. I always freeze up when someone asks me this. I oof. can't think of anything. That, that's a hard question. <laughs> I, I don't think if you're a true watch enthusiast that you ever have one watch that you're after. I don't think that's that's a question that you can reasonably answer, at least truthfully answer. So I'm going to give you a couple of watches that I've had my eye on, and I think I've I think I've mentioned these to you. It's funny you mentioned the Reverso. So I've got a Reverso Grand Tail on my mind, sticking with the Square Watch theme. I think again we chatted about this a couple of weeks ago, the Cartier Tank American. Uh, and I think uh, thanks to Anthony Anthony Doe, I think he stuck the Cartier bug in me. So uh, another watch that I've been eyeing, again, another Cartier, uh, Cartier Santos um, Dumont. Uh, I think it was a 36 millimeter, tiny little gold watch with a red strap. Um, absolutely gorgeous. Regal. Sounds very, Petit, very Petit regal. He's just got yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think exactly the same model as, as the one that he got as well. Uh, and on the on the flip side, something completely different is the uh, I've had the Grand Seiko bug for quite a while now, but I just haven't been able to pull the trigger for what reason I, I'm not sure. But it's the Grand Seiko SBGM two two one, so that's the ivory dial with a blue GMT hand. Ah, uh, yes, that's a pretty watch. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. An, an absolute steal as well. Absolute steal, exactly, exactly, and that that was mainly that was the biggest part of it that was appealing to me it was a steal for a watch and i think grand seikers are still even though their prices are creeping up they still offer quite a value proposition for what they are i still haven't found one that i really 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 love like i that's all right i, I like him like i really do i i, I really want to like a grand seiko watch and I, I like many of them but not enough to go yeah, I'm going to get that one. I've got close a few times, but there's just always something that bothers me or I don't like or I don't know. I don't know what it is because I, I, I would like one. But Fair enough. That's exactly mm. where I am with the SPGM221 as well. I mean, I really like the watch, but I don't think I love it enough to buy it. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's, that's, that's where I am with that. But uh, yeah, that's, that's my little wish list for the moment. Cool. What about you, Vinny? Anything nah, I'm going to put mind? you on the spot, Anthony. Ah. I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> okay. You can come back to me. That's fine. But I want to I know what have you got bookmarked. Um, all right. A Richard Mill RM16 <laughs> extra flat 
Nah, just kidding. Um, <laughs> that would be nice. That's my favorite RM, the the extra flat square one. I think they're just awesome. Um, no, look, I think, I mean, people that know me know that I think the next watch I buy, hopefully, at some stage will be a Moser Perpetual, uh, Moser Perpetual, Moser Pioneer Center Seconds. I'd love the Perpetual, but a bit out of my reach. Um, in fact, I saw you've got a picture of the Burgundy Dial Perpetual Moser Pioneer. That's just, that's one of my, I think if you look on fifth wrist, that's my grail watch. Um, but yeah, look, I, I'd love to get a Moser, but this is where I am with that at the moment. It's like I'm toying with the idea of removing one to bring that in. Um, but I'm just, I'm not sold yet that that's what I want to do. And, you know, pending things that happen later in the year, it might be okay. might be in a position to do that, but I'm just not sure. But I, I really think that that's the watch for me. Um, I love three handers. I love Moser. I really, really love Moser. I love everything that they're doing. They're just an amazing company with a, a really good ethos. And I love that they challenge the status quo and that the Swiss watch industry doesn't really like them. Um, it's just, it's impressive. But my biggest issue is I can't decide between the green and the blue dial. Um, <laughs> if you ask me on a, which way am I going, it, it changes not daily, but probably weekly. Um, this week I've gone back to the blue, um, but I'm sure by Sunday or, or Monday it'll be back to the green. Um, but, but hopefully soon. I'll be able to find out if they're uh, I, I'm predicting, hopefully, fingers crossed, that they're going to bring that out in a, in a grey dial. And if they do that, then I'm done. That'll be it. Oh, uh, Yeah. Well, I, I think it'd be interesting to see all the green watches that have come out tw in 2020 and the years before and after, if that'll age well. Uh, we've seen a slew of green watches and mm. there haven't been this many green watches produced in any generation, even in the funky, funky, you know, noughties or seventies, <laughs> there's n have never been this much green. So I'm really interested to know how well it'll age. Absolutely, and I think just when Anthony mentioned the he, that he was toying with the idea of green versus blue, uh, it was just on the tip of my tongue whether green is actually the new blue for exactly the reasons that Vinny mentioned just now, hmm. because we've never seen this many green watches come out, and, and is it because there is more demand for green watches now? Back to what you were saying, Vinny, because I don't know, Harina. I, I think there obviously is demand for it because they wouldn't be doing it if they didn't. But if you asked me that question, Vinny, how are they going to age? My honest answer right now is not well. I Ooh. think I think in 10 or 15 years' time where things, you know, we're in a color boom at the moment. We went through it in the early 2000s um, when, you know, Hublot and all sorts of Richard Muir and all sorts of brands were doing funky stuff. Um, so we're in a bit of a color boom, but I think in time, you you don't see too many green dial Cartiers. Um, and, you know, that whole, is it going to look great in 100 years time like the Cartier tanks do today? Uh, I don't think in time, green will be the color where there's blue on the other hand has been around for decades and decades. So yeah, that that's actually what's holding me back from buying the green is I don't want to buy a watch because it's hot now because I couldn't care less when it's hot. But I also want to be able to look at it in 20 years' time and go, oh, what, am I, what did I do this for? <laughs> I, think, I think the blue is the way to go because Same. whenever I think of the Pioneer, I think of the blue Fume dial. So just yeah. to have like the original first yeah. set, this is what they came out with, um, will put your mind at ease. 
Yeah, I think you're right. And and that's why the other, I do love greys and I love grey scales and colours and stuff. So if they did a grey, I think that's where I'd probably go to because grey's versatile for me. It goes with, you know, things that I wear and stuff like that. So I think, but yeah, the, the blue, the blue is really nice. But anyway, what about you? What are you looking at, Vinny? Me? Uh, not much. I've got a Reverso in the blue dial tribute to Reverso bookmarked. Um, been toying with the idea of a birth year speedy. Um, but I think, cause I, I went with the, with a Sapphire case back and I think they stopped production in the end of 1995 and my birth year is 1996. So to get one with the, with the warranty papers that says 96 on it, it would have to be one that hung around in boutiques for a while, didn't sell straight away and then got, you know, sold in 96. Uh, it's a long shot. If one came up at a reasonable price. Maybe, um, but yeah, I think I think the Reverso is my my next go to because I've I've got plenty of sport watches. I would love something dressy, and when you put on the Reverso, you just feel like Frank Sinatra. It something about it is just it's just pure class. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, speaking of new watches and green dials, let's uh, segue into some of the just just a bit of a wrap up. I don't want to spend long on this because it's been covered to the moon and back with, uh, you know, this week on, on every platform. But uh, how are you guys feeling about the 41 mils in the OP and the sub and the colours of the new OP dials, etc., and the Kermit for that matter? So, Harin, how are you? We're four days on now. We've our heart, our blood pressure has gone back down to normal. Um, Has it though? <laughs> well, maybe. Uh, Instagram is still on fire, but not quite like it was on the first and the second. So how are you feeling now with the new releases a couple of days on? To be completely honest with you, yep. uh, I feel exactly the same as I did on day one. It's still, I, I don't know, it, I'm, I'm not claiming that Rolex was following Doxa, which is, I guess, a rolling meme about, you know, the, the Oyster Perpetuals. <laughs> oh, Rolex, they're trying to be Doxa this, I mean... Not not to fuel that fire, but what I don't know. Okay, so I think I had a brief chat with Vinny about this as well offline. Um, respect to Rolex for I guess doing something bold, going away from you know their typical monotone, monochrome color scheme, and it, it's definitely fun. And I think the Oyster Perpetual, and I think so. So just to I guess divert a bit there again, touching on the whole millennial subject. I think they added the colors onto the Oyster Perpetual, especially because, number one, the Oyster Perpetual is the most attainable Rolex uh, in the modern lineup, at least. And that's where millennials would most likely be driven to, I guess, that lineup. Mm. And with the additional colors, I guess it just makes Rolex more of a fun brand. I think that's probably what they were trying to achieve. That's 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 my two cents on it, though. So, Okay. Yeah. Really interesting. Um most of my thoughts haven't changed. I still think the best release uh, or the one that interests me the most is the new Submariner date in the new case profile. Yeah. should be cool to see eventually, whenever that is, I don't know. Um, but on the OPs, I think fantastic. I'm so glad they did it. But I think it's really feminine. I've seen more wrist shots and uh, more hands-on photos now rather than the press release pics. Um, I think it's a lot more feminine now. So maybe not one, I wasn't really in the market to buy one, but now I'm like, that's definitely a watch for, 
I think, yeah, the feminine market mm. rather than than unisex. So okay. interesting. Yeah, mm, that's interesting. that's the only thing that's changed for me. Harin, uh, which one's your favourite? I'd follow suit with the Submariner date. Mm. Uh, I, I definitely like the, I guess, the case profile. I've always thought of the Submariner lugs to be too fat. But then again, I mean, I guess I'll be able to, you know, solidify my impressions, I guess, when I finally do have it on the wrist, <laughs> if that's even possible. But uh, yeah. so <laughs> that's, can, that's the other joke. And, and I've got something to say about this doctor thing because it's been bothering me all week. This, this whole Get it thing, off your chest. Get it, it, off. It, is, it is just rubbish. And if anyone has a look, if anyone has a look and write this down, on those doxer pictures with a Rolex and the doxers, you know, there's only two colors that are the same. Only two. <laughs> Out of six watches, there's two that have a very similar color. That's it. Like, it's just ridiculous. Someone. What, you know. what about the Nomos? Yeah, the Nomos. Nomos. That one's probably a bit closer. But even then, I, I'm, not, I'm not in that camp. I, yeah. I think they're doing their own thing. But. Well, my favorite is still the, the 36 mil turquoise dial. I think that's um, – and it's interesting. Like, when you look at Rolex, typically light blue – dials white metal are always platinum so you know and yes it's a it's a lacquer so it's a bit more of a flatter sheen than it would be in a sunburst or some of those beautiful ice dials that that rolex do but still it you put them next to each other it has that sort of vibe about it um it's just a bit more classy than than everything else but i do want to say i saw someone ruined everything for me the other day so can you guys <laughs> please quickly quickly get up a picture of um those watches if you go to my story you'll find one um oh it's gone but anyway uh someone said to me and i hope this ruins it for everyone as like it's done for me <laughs> that the double markers at six o'clock look like rabbit teeth. Hmm. Is this kind of like the the phallic type arrangement on the Speedmaster at twelve? Is this Pro- yes, yes? The same sort of I, I think so. Yeah, you can't unsee it now. Trust me. When you have a look again, you see those rabbit teeth at six o'clock. Uh, you will. I just can't stop looking at it now. Every time I look at that watch, I can just see rabbit's teeth. But anyway, no, uh, no, it's not too bad for me. I like I like the I like the double double indices. I do too. I really like it. I think it's great. I, yeah, that doesn't bother me too much. Uh, fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. It, it bothered me, but anyway, yeah, my, give me a bit of time. Yeah, I still like them. I'm really keen to see how the 41 in the OP wears um, because everything I can see, they are a lot thinner than what they used to be. So they're they're flatter. They're a little bit longer. Um, it could be a really, really cool, cool watch, but I'm still stuck on the 36 because I think it's a perfect size. But anyway, we'll see. We shall see. We shall see. All right, should we start to wrap up? Um, just before we do, I just had one sort of open-ended question. I think we've beaten up social media and we've beaten up millennials a little bit. Um, how can we look at it from a positive point of view? Do you think there is a good future for younger watch collectors and do you think things can be more positive and less detrimental to our hobby or people's health, mental health or social status or perceptions of it in the future? It's a really tough question because I think it has a lot of variables as to each individual. And what I mean is, you know, people that are going okay about the world and can have some of that self-awareness 
I think they there is positivity to come from it, like beautiful connections and community and all that kind of stuff. But I think people that um, have had it a bit tough or look to this world for um, comfort or encouragement, I think it can be a, a very downward spiral um, when you can't keep up with the Joneses and you don't have potentially the the best networks around you to support you through things. I think it can be pretty, pretty bad. And the fact that, you know, credit debt is the worst it's ever been yet. People just keep getting approved. And, you know, I just think that there's, there, there is a bit of danger there with social media versus credit. And the fact that you can just go buy these things, put it on a credit card and off you go pay it off for the next however long and you may never pay it off. So, hmm. And, and young watch collectors as a whole, is there a good future, yeah. bright future? Yeah, I think so. I really do. Because I think the, the Apple Watch is, is one thing and it's it's a lot to some people. Um, but I think that the Apple Watch has done some wonderful things for the watch world by putting a wrist on people, on a, a watch on someone's wrist. But I think that, yeah, people, I think watchmaking is becoming, oh, sorry, watches are becoming more accessible. Um, and, and also, I'm just going to say this, that lower price point watches are cool and you know not not that they weren't ever but there was always this overhanging thing about some brands and and I, I that's why I love micro brands so much because you can get into it I'm not saying two or three thousand dollars is cheap by any stretch but you're getting some really cool stuff in the in the 500 to two thousand dollar range nowadays that that is just freaking awesome. So I think for people with any budget, you can buy a, a great mechanical watch. I'm going to look at my Stoa is just an outstanding watch and you can pick them up pre-owned for less than a thousand bucks. Like that is a watch to go get. Um, even as a, a seasoned watch collector that, that loves all the great stuff, you know, some things like that, that they're, they're amazing. So I think, I think the more of these accessible brands that keep popping up and keep doing wonderful things. Um, and then you look at brands like Anne Ordain and you look at other brands that sell enamel dials and you go, hang on a minute. What's, why can they do it at this price yet? They charge $50,000 or more. So anyway, it's interesting. I, I think there is a, a great future for millennials in watches. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm just going to echo essentially what Anthony said there in terms of, I guess, the potential dangers. But uh, moving on to the positives, I think, uh, essentially with millennials and social media, it's not all bad. It's essentially a gateway drug, essentially, for people to get into this world. And with all this content that's floating around, it offers more opportunity for people to learn more about watches and not just see them on the surface. And, and that definitely, I guess, breeds a new generation of uh, watch enthusiasts as well. So definitely definitely a positive outlook, I think. Uh, as, as much as people like to, you know, blame social media for all the negative impacts or the potential negative impacts, there's, there's I think, I personally think there's more positive that's come out of it than negative. So um, if, that, if, that, if that trajectory continues, uh, definitely, definitely a bright future, I guess. I agree. I think there is a lot not so great about social media. It's a big magnifying glass. There's a lot mm. of things that aren't great, but there are so many things that are and you just got to, it's easy to complain that it is to, to be grateful. So yeah, yeah, I, uh, think, so. I think it's a good thing. The only other thing I'll add is the, the thing that for me, the thing that social media has done has not only 
connected me to the rest of the world and, and like-minded people, but you create real friendships. And, you know, you think about people meeting on the internet 15 years ago, <laughs> it's very different to people meeting on the internet today. And there's wonderful stories about people that go on the other side of the world and literally been talking to this bloke about watches for 12 months, don't know what he looks like, don't know where he lives, don't know anything about it, but land in the city and say, hey, let's get a beer and off you go. If it wasn't for social media and that form of interaction, um, and also, and this can be the scary part as well, but there's a lot of trust that potentially, hopefully doesn't get broken in the future. But, you know, there's a lot of trust there that, that people do. And I'm sure people are careful and stuff. But yeah, I love that about Instagram, the fact that you can talk to so many people um, and brands as well. Brands can talk to their customers via social media, which is amazing. Fantastic. Good to hear. Some uplifting <laughs> thoughts. It's great. Positive. I like it. Yeah. We love it. We love it. All right. Awesome. All right. So um, we'll jump into our favorite review of the week now. Um, and this review is called Red Love um, by at Watch Blasted. W-A-T-C-H-B-L-A-S-T-E-D, Watch Blasted. Um, and it's on the Oris Big Crown pointer date with that beautiful burgundy dial. Um, and I think, you know, always you always can never tell from pictures sometimes how a watch really stands out. And there's been a few watches. One of them was the Oris, the honey dial that... Um, that the Raken Revolution did with Oris a couple of weeks, you know, a couple of years ago. That watch in photos looks fantastic, but when you see it in the flesh, it looks even better. And um, and you know the the review has gone on to say that that's basically this as well. And I, and I think the the thing with this watch is those cathedral hands. I mean, they're just mm. bonkers. Now you have something similar, Harim. Yes, I do. So essentially the 80th anniversary model. So it's basically the bronze case with the green dial. And uh, essentially, once you said the cathedral hands, spot on. And yeah. that's, that's, that's what made me buy this watch, the cathedral hands. Uh, I really don't know what made me buy a green dialed watch. And this uh, also, this was... Before it was cool. This was this was the the first luxury watch so to say i mean i know oris isn't up there in terms of i guess luxury brand so to say but it was it was a stepping stone it was the first i'd say you know properly expensive watch at least you know in, in my budget range yeah and for anybody else this would be a crazy purchase it was so at the time the bronze was bright it was almost a gold yellow gold color with that matte green dial cathedral hands and it would sound as a almost silly purchase really but I've grown to love it more. The, the Oris was a watch that I fell in love with mainly due to the hands and knew nothing about Oris at the time when I purchased it. And uh, I've just fallen in love with it more with each day that's that's come. So, Cool. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant watch. So his pros are beautiful dial, <laughs> which we absolutely agree with. Um, the size is is really good as well. So how what size are these? They're... 39 aren't they or 40 they're 40 mil 40. but they've got quite pronounced lugs so mm -hmm. they wear almost similar to the omega speedmaster okay so they wear mm -hmm. quite large 
Okay, and and he's got here value for money as well, but the cons, red's not for everyone, which, yeah, it's not. But this one, I find burgundy watches don't, they, they sit in a real class of their own. Um, and, and the Moser, the, there's a, the, the example I give of that is I really love the burgundy perpetual calendar, but I'm not a huge fan of the Swiss Mad Red um, because burgundy's just got this softer hue that goes with so much more and it's not so in-your-face smack. Um so, yeah, I think, um, and then the movement finishing, it's obviously, you know, it's a Salida SW200 that, you know, it's, it's a workhorse movement that can be easily serviced, a fantastic movement, um, but it scratches easily. So does yours scratch easily as well, or is there a difference between the steel and the bronze? Well, with the bronze, I guess with the patina developing on the case, it kind of masks any blemishes or any nicks or scratches, so to say. I mean, the the per, the reason why you buy a bronze watch in the first place is because of the imperfections, I think, and because of how it patinas. So um, scratches, so to say, I, I mean, really nothing noticeable, <laughs> uh, partly due to the patina. Um, it's held up pretty well, and uh, I guess the more beat up it looks, that's part of its appeal. True, true, true. Righto, Vinny, any words on the uh, big crown point of date, Oris? Yeah, it's that exact configuration I've come so close to <laughs> so many times. The bloody sales assistant at my local Oris dealer is probably sick of me. Um, I've come back a few <laughs> times and they've gone, same one? I, yeah, I just got to have a look. Uh, but yeah, it does. it's a large wearing 40, not, not unmanageable at all. Um, and it's just such a beautiful dial and... The, the font, the Cathedral Hands is, is a showstopper, but the font of the the hours is mm. just oh, so good, um, which is something I'm, I'm looking at for more and more now is, is the font, the typeface. So, yeah, typefaces yeah, type are really important um, in this day and age. No, I agree. I think that, um, you know, font for for me, it's it's definitely something that I take a lot more notice of now when I never used to. But, you know, especially like things like the Reverso, the ultra thin um, Reverso, just the standard model, the font is just amazing. It's that real sort of art deco styling and, yeah, it's cool. All right, people to go follow on Instagram. Vinny, you want to start us off? All righty, I sure will. Before I have my recommendation, if you aren't already following her in, he takes incredible photos, so moody, so elegant. So beautiful. I can't, really can't say how much I love your photos, mate. So, yeah, go ahead and follow him. Um, won't regret it. And you know when he's uploaded because if he tags you, there's a billion comments that come through. <laughs> so it's like you're just waiting on edge for the next upload. And when it comes, it's fantastic. So, yeah, mate. Like, honestly, um, we don't really talk about photography much on, on this pod, but you are one of the best out there in my opinion. So keep it up. Oh, too um, kind of you, Vinny. Thank you. My recommendation is the underscore everyday underscore watch. Um, local guy also, I think he's in Sydney. Um, just a ripping bloke. Uh, salt of the earth. His day job works with um, disabled kids. And we got talking about G-Shocks because we, we have this common love for, for hard to find G-Shocks. And yeah, I mean, when you meet these kind of connections, it's it's the best. It's the best. And definitely go and follow him because he's just such a lovely guy. So that's the underscore everyday underscore watch. Nice. That's a good one. You can see he's got uh, one of those doxes that's got the Rolex turquoise color dial on it. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> yep, I'm just gonna I'm gonna leave it there before I annoy you anymore, Anthony. Yeah, you know, fine. been through a lot this podcast, so <laughs> Thank I'll you. leave it there. Harin, <laughs> uh, someone to go follow. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm I'm personally my style of photography is that whole moody shot. I think as as Vinny pointed out. So naturally, um, my recommendation is a gentleman by the name of Moody Dials. Oh well, the his Instagram is Moody dot period dial. So M W O D Y D dot D I A L S. Beautiful, beautiful moody shots. Uh, really captures that lifestyle essence of um, of his watches. And also, uh, it's uh, his watches are very attainable, and goes to show that uh, you know you don't really have to spend a buck to get a really, really, really good looking watch. And and he captures that perfectly. Um, yeah. Really, really great shots. Wow! Yeah, my favorite, my favorite photo of his is the neon colored Casio calculator watch. Calculator, his keyboard. <laughs> like he's got nice watches, but that one is my favorite shot of them all. Yeah, really cool. Great recommendation. Yeah, both of those I've not been following, so I've just hit the follow button just then. Um, brilliant people. Awesome. And you, Anth? And mine is um, a small account. Watch of Wonder. So W-A-T-C-H-O-F-W-O-N-D-E-R. No underscores or anything, just Watch of Wonder. Um, he has a, a, has a, a same watch as me with the Rolex uh, Explorer 114270, but um, just take some really cool shots. And what I like about this profile is there's not a huge range of watches, but there's a huge range of watches on different straps of the same watches. And I think sometimes that's cool because often we, you know, what's this watch look like on a NATO? Or what's this watch look like? And I know we can go find that stuff, but he's just, um, you know, there, there's pictures of his Explorer on leather straps and on a NATO and on um, the bracelet. So yeah, just uh, worth, worth going to give a follow. Quick question. Explorer on the Jubilee. What are your thoughts? No. Nah. No, no, don't like it. I think, well, I think, I mean, yeah, nah, I don't, I don't, I'm not a big fan. I think it looks good on the Oyster. Yeah. I think it just goes against everything what the Explorer is, you know, a Jubilee is very classy, very dressy almost. And uh, even though that's the typical demographic of all most Rolex owners nowadays, I think it just goes against the DNA of the, the Explorer itself. I'm going to have to agree. Three out of three. Yeah. I'm not, not the big fan. Um, Change it up, but yeah, it just does. It just looks funny. But so. see, I disagree with people. I disagree with people when they say that the NATO and you are one of them. In fact, it was all you, Vinny. You're <laughs> the one that said this. <laughs> that you said that the 36 mil, and you just needed you just needed ammo to take me on in that battle we did ages ago. <laughs> but but you said that the 36 mil just looks a bit funny on a NATO. So, and and I respect that. Everyone sees things differently. It looks- it looks smaller, like the footprint mm. of the watch is reduced on, on a strap. That's all. It, it doesn't look funny. It just, yeah. I think it actually looks more historically and true and correct because NATOs typically, they came out in whatever it was, 50s, 60s, um, 70s. Watches around that side, around that era were quite small. And you look at some of those military watches that, you know, they're, they're tiny, they're like 35 mil and they had these NATOs on them. So I think it, it just brings that sort of vintage aesthetic of that real sort of um, 
defense force military type thing. Um, but anyway, yeah, no, you can... it's, it's a strap. It's a strap monster more than the thirty nine is for sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, mm. Yes. No. With the thirty nine being the last of the modern Rolexes that can work on lots of different straps, I, sure. in my opinion, of course. Yeah. Fair enough. No, that's cool. All right, some awesome people to go follow there on Instagram, so please do that. So I think um, but before we finish, um, you know, as always, please head over to the Fifth Wrist website and do a review on one of your watches because, you know, we're, we are looking for people to give honest reviews. And obviously in time as as this grows and, and, and it, it is growing, we're, we're starting to get multiple what, multiple similar watches with different reviewers and they've got different things to say. And I think that's really important for the community to be able to see that. Um, and if you want to get in contact with us, um, you can get, get me at uh, anthony at fifthwrist.com. Um, via email or on defining time on instagram you can go follow tell your time if you're not already although he's got like a million followers now so <laughs> please do not i hardly <laughs> do no no but get in touch Vinny at tell your time uh and harin at watch watch you want underscore one underscore um so we will leave it there um harin thank you so much for coming and joining us today it was a lot of fun and some really great insight into millennials and watches and and all sorts of stuff so how'd you go it was good fun absolutely no thank you anthony and Vinny, of course as well for having me on here pleasure to be on the number one podcast in zimbabwe definitely the highlight (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, dear. definitely the highlight of my year so yeah no good, good fun pleasure talking to you guys and uh, a good topic to touch on very well yeah absolutely thank you thanks for coming on Vinny, yeah, cheers guys thank you very much as always um gents have a great weekend a great saturday night um and for everyone else stay on time is by the community for the community. We would love you to join the crew via our group chat on Slack. Email us at contact at fifthwrist.com and join the movement.